You're listening to Rick Radio, broadcasting from Ringsend and Irish Town Community Centre. This is John Kenny. You're listening to Three and You're In. Good evening. Welcome to Three and You're In. Um, we're a day late this week. My fault, because I, uh, I won't tell you why. It's just my fault. Um, we have a very special show this week. We... Um, have two part show. We have a really, really good interview with Mr. Chris Andrews and his football career coming up. After we you bring in the like. voice of Ireland and the voice of sport, and a one and a, a friend of mine who uh, I'm associated with through football as well, uh, Mr. John Kenny. Welcome, John. Thanks very much, Clayton. Nice to be here. And going to going to have a chat with John this week is two is our is our B team apparently. Um, Charlie I'm and happy Thomas. About that. Well, I'm not happy about harsh. that. You are no Satan Greaves, in fairness. Yeah. No, that was not that old. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to just get off the mic now and I'll let you go, lads. So take it away. Okay. Uh, on behalf of Rick Radio, John, I'd like to uh, thank you for coming down. Uh, I've just done a brief little bit of research on uh, your background. I can't believe some of the stuff you've been involved in. Now, before I go into this, just let you know, this is pretty much a soccer show. But I've seen you've commented in the Olympics, mm-hmm. motor racing, cricket, uh, swimming, football, GAA, numerous documentaries uh, about the Euros 88, World Cup 90, uh, Caribbean cricket. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but just the question is, where did it all start? Where was the interest and what got you multi uh, talented, yeah. Well, I started uh, Pirate Radio back in the late seventies, where everybody looked uh, worked in. Well, not, wasn't working. It was uh, a guy's house, and his mother came home after two weeks. And he had to close it down. So, uh, and that's what piqued the interest in it. Uh, Pirate Radio DJ for about eight years. Worked in Cork and South Coast Radio. Worked in the Big D in Dublin. Worked in the original Q one hundred two, and then. Around late '86, it started to crumble. All the pirate radio stations were were heading out the door, and there was new uh, independent stations coming on air. So um, I sent a demo tape to RTE Sport, and I, that's where I got in. But I was a DJ originally, and then uh, for a couple of years, I was concentrating fully on sport. And then the kind of the two of them came together um, in Two FM. Uh, so I was there for about thirty years in Two FM doing music shows, but. I've always had an interest in broadcasting uh, and writing as well. I've written a book about Irish motorsport, a big interest in motorsport. But the days when I started working in RTE first, you were freelance. So you basically took any, anything yeah. that was going. So 87, I was asked to go down to the Lancer Trophy in Mondello Park to um, report on Mika Hakkinen actually winning the uh, Euro Series down there. Uh, and I went, hang on a sec now, there's... There's nobody else doing this, so I hoovered that up. I hoovered up swimming after being sent to the national championships in '87 in Bangor. Uh, nobody was doing cricket, or whatever. So I just kept those as kind of a my portfolio of stuff, and then obviously extended it into the stuff that's everyone wants to do: rugby, soccer, GA, mm-hmm. and the DJing as well. So I was a pirate radio DJ for eight years and a club jock for a good 13, 14 years as well. So is there um, is there major competition then? You know between the reporters, uh, you know, when you, you see so many and different people doing different things, is there major? Is there a league? Is it? Is it? You know, I'd like that job, but he has it. Or oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's you know the top jobs uh, are the three I mentioned: like rugby, soccer, GA. They're the top three. 
the rest are ancillary stuff. You know, nobody looks at swimming until, say, the Olympics come around every four years. Mm. Jordan Grand Prix piqued our interest in motorsport, but that's gone as well. So that's gone into the background. Uh, cricket obviously came up back in 2007 when they beat Pakistan in the World Cup and then England subsequently in 2011. But there is a pecking order. Uh, I'm one of the radio commentators for RTE um, on Soccer Internationals along with Adrian Eames, which is great to share that. Uh, Gabriel Egan was a very good commentator for us for a long, long time and he took over from Philip Green. So to be part of that is fantastic. Uh, I'm part of the uh, soccer commentary teams for television. Not as much. George Hamilton is obviously the, the key man there, but I get uh, League of Ireland matches and I do most of the major championships like World Cups, uh, Euros, men's and women's and have done it for the last couple of years as well. So w w which one is the one I heard? I'm a football man. The uh, football, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. football. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm at two, three League of Ireland matches every week. Right, right. Um, you know, and then Gaelic football will follow in the summer. But uh, no, football is the one. I'm still playing a bit of football as well. Amazingly, was I've the, seen you, you know. Yeah, yeah. Know. Well, I'm, st I'm, tr I'm trying to, I'm trying to stop. Uh, no, I've seen you stop it already. Not bad for a guy who's 59 to be still playing. So um, oh, you look younger than Dylan. Thank you. Uh, that wouldn't be hard. But um, no, it's great, um, and uh, the friendship and camaraderie, and still. That um, banter in dressing rooms afterwards is can't is, beat it. It can't, it can't beat, beat it. It's, it, no. it's fantastic, you know. And anyone who's ever uh, played football or still continues to play football or just knocking the ball around the back garden or playing with the lads on a Wednesday morning is the, the banter is fantastic, and you get great friendships over it because everybody knows, you know, pain and suffering and injury and how bad you're playing. It doesn't matter, you know. You turn up, have a go with each other, get all the frustrations out on the pitch, and then no, it's afterwards. great and it's good for the head. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and mm. I had my own mental struggles last year, fell into depression. Yeah, um, which. Uh, I hit a wall, um, and it was. We went back playing football in in the after the end of the first lockdown, and it was a very emotional day actually. Uh, and going back and playing that uh, still and commentating on football, I think this has actually been very beneficial to yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, well. no, and it's it, like you, you see the ads is about you know people getting out, just getting out, mm. walking, talking, playing. Doesn't matter, kick a ball, hit I'm, a ball. I'm very much a, a fan. I have been of Joe Strummer. Uh, he was my idol growing up, uh, lead singer of the Clash. Of course, no longer with us. Yeah, but uh, Tom's man. He um, he has the phrase, um, well, two of them. Uh, Without people, you're nothing, and he's right too. Especially now in this current lockdown, when you don't see that many people around. I'm lucky enough to be able to move, uh, and the future is unwritten. So it's two. It's two things that he said during his life that I kind of live by. It's sort of, I suppose, it's after bringing it home to everybody. I mean, how lucky you can be. You know, and blessed with the little things that we just took for granted for so long. You know, yeah. just arriving at the side of a pitch and seeing a match that you don't do now at the moment. Um, anything, going for a point and having a chat with the lads, having a row with the lads, bit mm. of crack. You know, they, they, they are things that we've missed. But um, on, on, you know, lately you're looking at Irish sport. It must be unbelievable for the likes of commentators coming through, the likes of, you know, Rachel Blackmore, Katie Taylor. You know, and there's so many new sports on top of the tree that you, you know. So w w would you get a chance at the likes of any of the horses or would they, no, they look I, at more No, I wouldn't go near horse racing yeah, I would, yeah. I, because that's a very specialist sport and you have to know your, your sport. Uh, and you can hear in commentators' voices about how well they know the sport. They've grown up with it. I wouldn't touch horse racing in a million years. Um, 
Boxing. Boxing. I've done a bit of boxing. Uh, no, I mean, I, my portfolio, I think, is actually quite good. I have enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't need to branch out into anything yeah. more. Uh, like next week is the Olympic swimming trials in the National Aquatic Centre. We're doing them on the RTE player uh, as a precursor to the Olympics. I'm supposed to be going to the Olympics. Hopefully that will come off. If it doesn't, I sure look, these things happen. We've got the Euros as well coming up this year uh, and the GAA Championship. Plus, I'm doing this music show, which they gave me on RT Radio 1 for the last couple of months, just filling in for the late debate. Uh, so, my um, thankfully, my cup runneth over at the That's moment. That's good. So, That's yeah. good. Well, just uh, another thing I want to bring up. Uh, I had a good few years ago the, the late, great Scottish commentator, Bill McLaren, mm-hmm. the rugby commentator. Yeah. And I brought him from Lansdowne Road out to uh, the airport. And he commented on my. I was listening to Radio 5 Live, the sports Saturday afternoon, and all the results were coming in. And he says, do you like listening to sports on the radio or do you rather watch it? And I said, well, I actually love watching it. I love listening on the radio. It's so exciting. And then when you go and see the game later on, you say, what the hell? That's a totally different game. And he says, yeah, but the commentator done his job on the radio. But how do you address a game, like when you're, you have a big game, to keep the listeners interest like is uh, compared to tv we're watching tv we can see what's going yeah, on it's, it's two different principles yeah uh for television you've got to let the pictures uh flow so you can you can hear when you're doing a tv commentary uh, commentary or a, a good commentator will just have natural pauses and they just let things flow yeah. there's no need to keep saying the names because the camera's got a close-up of and yeah. you know who it is basically so yeah. basically all of the commentary comes from maybe a co-commentator jumping in with some kind of uh, statement about what they've just seen or the excitement is basically up towards the edge of the penalty area. Now, obviously, in radio, you can't do that. You've got to paint the picture. And that's what we've been told. Paint the picture and also tell people where the ball is on the pitch. Yeah. Right. And the final one is it really frustrates people when you don't give the score. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, and uh, you must... Yeah. Must give the score. Yeah. In every, tapping in every yeah. ten yeah. minutes, I'm every like, second link, yeah. basically every well, minute yeah. you're saying it once or twice. It's still even well, if it's nil nil. You hit the nail on the head because I remember listening to a game a few years ago on the radio, and it's probably QPR now. Thomas a QPR yeah. man. That's so. okay. We well, all have our crosses yeah. to bear. Well, I, I tuned in. We say ten minutes after kickoff, and I reckon it was at least another twenty minutes before the guy set a score I was back in the day no mobile phone I said what the f- is the score well, I can no imagine score, I can see no you score. banging on the radio going, Please, what's the score, score what's you know. the score it's very important for the listener to tell people where the ball is on the yeah. pitch yeah. Uh, paint the picture for them and give them the score line you get yeah. that basics right uh, as Bill McLaren had said mm. uh, the commentator is doing his job Yeah. well just to elaborate a little bit more I had a uh, people in the car during the cricket world cup when ireland were doing really well and a guy got into my car and says how the hell can you listen to cricket on the radio and i said hold on do you listen to football on the radio i said yeah there you are i've been lucky enough to work for the bbc uh, at world cups uh, i did it in the first one was 2007 uh in the caribbean when we beat pakistan and uh, mm. bangladesh and i was in the cricket world cup in 2015 in australia and new zealand be lucky enough to get on the BBC Test Match Special Rota, and that is just incredible. That's um, that's an amazing sense. You know, you've got 50 million people listening to you. Yeah. Um, I've done some stuff for Sky. We did Ireland against India uh, in the cricket in Malahide, and they reckon we had an audience of around quarter of a billion. So, like, mm-hmm. cricket is the second biggest sport in the world, if anybody didn't know that. It's mm. behind association football. is the, the second biggest sport in the world. is played by and watched by over a billion people in mm. the world. So... Um, even though people a lot of people in this country dismiss cricket 
it's got a huge heritage. It was bigger than uh, hurling. That's um, right, yeah. Before the, the mandate happened century, yeah. as well. So and there's a lot of cricket clubs in places like Tipperary, Kilkenny, which are now a solid bases for hurling. We have mm. a local here, uh, Colum, Colum Bourne. Colum is up in he's top groundsman up in the Phoenix Park. There. He is, yeah. And uh, you know Colum. I do because we, 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 we have an RTE cricket team, uh, and <coughs> I'm the longest serving playing member of that, and we play up in the Phoenix Park as well in the mm. civil service. And Colum's a good lad, yeah. Mm. He's, uh, it's he's a lovely he, game. It's a great game as well. It's, 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 oh, oh, yeah, actually, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, probably, well, I probably wouldn't have too enough and enough time to watch the, the four day, but the one day is great. Yeah. I like the five day cricket. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I like the test match. It, it's, it's a real, it's a trial of bat and ball. Now, I can see where, say, like the, the Indian Premier League is, has come on in the T20 cricket because it's short it's snappy it's three hours and you can get all your advertisements in whatever but it's not cricket it's yeah, just yeah. really biff bash bosh mm. real cricket is how you defend your you know and it's and I know it's a game for the purists as well but I find it fascinating and I, like the best one of the best sporting events I was ever at was Ireland against England at Lords right, right. Uh, and their t- um, famous test match there uh, in 2019 it was like, staggering you know the place was full the buzz of Lords full of Irish supporters uh, wonderful wonderful occasion mm. and um, nearly beat them there's a few local lads uh, from Railway uh, yeah. O'Brien the O'Brien the O'Brien brothers Niall and well Ginger was their dad he played cricket for Ireland he's a yeah. uh, f- uh, former Irish captain uh, but Niall who's now retired uh, is um, a promoter and uh, Kevin's still playing and uh, he's kind of heading towards retirement now at this stage he's in his mid-30s and he's paid over 200, nearly 300 times for Ireland which is absolutely Amazing, yeah. staggering yeah. Uh, but he set up his own cricket academy as well but uh, two clever lads and uh, yeah railway How you doing folks Derek Buckley's my name if you're interested in testing your general knowledge every Friday night live on my Facebook page we have a family fun quarantine quiz in conjunction with Ringsend and Irish Town Community Centre completely free to play Thanks for that, Charlo. Um, coming up at the end of this show, lads, um, we have got Dave's uh, on this day coming up. And I did say at the top of the show that we will be mixing in the Chris Andrews interview, but I'm not going to do that now. We're going to put out the Chris Andrews show as its own. So th- these two shows will be released at the same time. So, uh, okay, Charlo, take it away. Right, I'm going to jump on to something slightly different. Yep. We in Ringsend are convinced this is the centre of the universe. You know, to us we are the centre of the Everything revolves around us. We're the, the home of football and all the rest of it. So what's your knowledge of Ringsend, Irish Town? Well, and I'm, I'm, a well, I'm a Shell supporter, <laughs> so there would be a stand, uh, oh, one, I suppose, uh, link with the place as well. Um, I know Shamrock Rovers from down here as well. Um mm. And I know a couple of lads who are, who are playing currently in the League of Ireland. And Sean Gannon, in particular, is uh, yeah. is one uh, who's now playing back with Shamrock Rovers again. Um, in fact, he played a bit of ball with us recently. In fact, he was playing ball. We were watching him. <laughs> um, so yeah, I know there's a link with the guys in Irish Town and and and, um, and Ringsend as well. And it's, it really it's a it's a soccer village. Yeah. Well, it was pretty like last year's FAI Cup final and the one the one uh, prior to that. Both had three lads from Ringsend. Mm-hmm. Sean Cavendish, Sean Gannon, and Dan O'Kelly. Yeah, which is pretty unique, you know. And then what, in the girls' final, you also had we had the yeah, Barnes, Barnes, you know. So it's for a little, a small village like that mm-hmm. to have four people in cup finals is, you know, for us it's great. Yeah. And it's only up the road. The FAI Cup final, I must say, is one of my yeah. favourite days. I get yeah. to do the, I get to do commentary on that for radio every alternate years. 
and it's you know I think it's a great day mm-hmm. you know the fact that they're playing at the Aviva now mm-hmm. and for a couple of years we got crowds 25-30,000 special day yeah yeah. and don't forget uh, just going back to the music part like one of the best Dublin bands ever came from Ring's End are we talking about the Blades? The Blades yeah, yeah. Talking about me, Tom. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, seriously, like you know, a yeah, I, know Paul, that, I know Paul. Dylan, really you well, don't have a ghost of a chance. I mean, I remember many a night we were in the Magnet, and uh, how probably through bad luck or whatever, the wrong place, wrong time, they just didn't get to the next stage. No, um, uh, they've had a couple of albums, and uh, it, they were the band that they um, we thought would go on. F- Further, but I remember it was about early eighties when they were calling it a day. Yeah. Uh, that had about eight going away gigs, and I think it was yeah. about seven of them. But they do a uh, <laughs> they do one every Christmas years, in the academy. And yeah, I've been, it's I've been, brilliant at, I've been, yeah, I've been there for a couple yeah. of those for yeah. uh, the last few. Uh, I know Paul well, and um, well, smashing footballer too. He was yeah, on yeah. a great Cambridge team, uh, yeah. and he left. He was on Joe Corpens team. Yeah, yeah. He was a year young, and he I think he left fifteen or sixteen. But lads on that team still speak highly. So he's one of the best players. Yeah, how he didn't go. One for of the it. great Irish bands, yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, two great albums. Yeah. Right, Sam. Go ahead. Are you? Are you one for you there, John? Just while you're there. Uh, yes, still. Just talking about music, you're looking at a, at a picture there. I know on your show, on your own radio show last night, you played um, Live and Dangerous. No, it was no, uh, Black Rose. Black Rose, mm-hmm. sorry, yeah. I apologise. No problem. ask you about Live and Dangerous or if you had a preference for Live and Dangerous or Live Life regarding being a Thin Lizzy. Live and Dangerous is the best live album ever released. No doubt about it. Uh, and close to it would be Talking Heads Stop Making Sense. They're probably the two greatest live albums ever released. Uh, the pure raw energy of Phil. I saw him seventy eight in Daily Mount, and I also saw him when he's a member of the Greedy Bastards with uh, Paul Cook and Steve Jones of the Pistols. Sex Pistols, yeah. yeah. In um, what, a name. what a name! Yeah, I know. Yeah, they had to drop it to the Greedies when they actually got on top yeah. of the pops. Yeah. But they played the Stardust in our town. Would you believe? Um, back in, in back in the eighties as well, late seventies, eighties. I was in the Stardust four weeks before the uh, fire. At the there special, was a lot of gigs, special specials on the beat. Yeah, yeah I was at that gig. What a gig! Oh. And Ian during the Blockheads a couple of weeks before yeah. that too. Uh, no, uh, Phil, like, Phil was an inspiration, you know, and uh, me growing up watching guys like Phil in it, the only black man in Dublin, as he said himself, uh, you know, turn up on top of the pops was just staggering. Uh, first time around, obviously, they had two incarnations when um, Whiskey in the Jar came out in 76, and then subsequently going into the late 70s and 80s, uh, uh, Phil was, uh, he was just an icon. No doubt about it. And the great thing about Phil and and um, Thin Lizzy as well is they fitted right in with what was happening then. There was the punk and reggae and all that kind of stuff was happening in the late 70s. And Lizzy were all part of that as well. The, the punks liked Lizzy, you know, yeah. just because of Phil. I mean, because he had such a presence on stage. Yeah. Well, if you look at all the old photographs, it's, it's like with Johnny Rotten, uh, as you say, it's, uh, the, the Sex Pistol lads, you know, he was... Well linked uh, held and very We're seeing a great picture just, just of him. Be careful. Three weeks ago, his picture fell down on yeah. Paul Paddy <laughs> there, and it's just yeah. above your head there. But I, uh, even the social scene, like I've seen photographs and the likes of Stan Bowles and things like that. Like you know, he mixed in the, the football and yeah. music circles. You know, it's just just yeah. the, rock and roll football. That's what it was. Yeah. Just just on that rock and roll football. He, I, I know you probably know this, John, but if anyone's listening, there's any Lizzie and then United fans. He wrote a brilliant song uh, for George Best. Call, uh, for those who love to live, yes, yeah. Yeah. and it's amazing, and it's it's basically his his. Ra- it's the, you wouldn't know it's about George mm. Best by listening to the words, but 
it's a uh, it's it's classic and he does a great live version of it in cork um it, it just youtube it's brilliant yeah. Well, just staying on the music, uh, <coughs> what the, the local Irish bands now, the big band, obviously, Fontaine's DC. Uh, Fontaine's are going to be huge. Yeah. but The Murder Capital, another one. Murder Capital, yeah. Just seen that. I've seen those two bands before the lockdown, but. Same here. I saw them, the last gig was, that was the Murder Capital. Was that the. Uh, Street, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't have a huge repertoire because it only had the one album, but uh, right, I thought yeah. it was a lot of energy about mm. that gig. I thought they were great. But the Fontaines, I'm not saying I've gone off them slightly, but when they done the Lincoln with the Bohemians uh, jersey, we staunched oh. Shamrock Rovers down here. It was kind of, what's going on? Well, you, you didn't think of it first, that's why. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's no, right, I think yeah. that's a fantastic No, it was link. brilliant. I have to admit it's now. It's a great link in. Yeah. Uh, 15% of the sales of that go to charity as yeah. well. Uh, I think what Bohemians doing are, are yeah. doing is right in in uh, pushing their community. Ah, oh, Phillipsburg, uh, really, yeah. We've done a really great job, behind, whatever, yeah. you know, and all soccer Some clubs the, should be doing that. Yeah. Like I was down in Longford recently, the problem with Longford Football Club is that their ground is just too far outside the ground, yeah. or this, sorry, the, town. The, the town, to be a, a focal point. Yeah. But Bohemians have that. Uh, Shamrock Rovers could have that because they're right in the middle yeah, of the town as well yeah, and they yeah. have to yeah. do that as well I, I hope as a Shelburne supporter personally I'll probably get shot for this I hope that Shelburne and Bowes can come together and play in Dangamelt yeah. right because I just think it's a waste having two clubs oh. like that a distance apart I think it's uh, it's a shame yeah. um, hopefully they can come together and uh, yeah. and sort this out as well because I think it'd be great to have the two of them I think it's just silly to have two stadia quite close together like that and crumbling stadia and like that crumbling, too and two crumbling yeah just yeah. say uh, and like it, uh, for all the romance of Dalyman Park and I love going to Dalyman Park still it's just it's a kip I, know, I didn't <laughs> use that expression oh, but yeah. it's, it's crumbling kip. put it that way oh, yeah, yeah. the whole area now I'm involved to you Dublin and uh, the whole area is booming now with the Carange Garma development yeah. and the yeah. students coming into the area. Now there's an opportunity there if one of them or top, both of them don't jump on it. Um, I think they'd the, be silly not to. The mm. flat, but that's just a personal opinion. Yeah, the flat complexes and the apartments and the student accommodation and everything's going. But it, there, it's know? the cool place. Like if you look Absolutely, up Manor Street yeah. all around yeah. the area, like the Smith, murals on the wall, Bohemians. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's yeah. some great artwork up there all linked into Bohemians. And yeah. then you had the Bohemians bus there just recently. You brought out the. We need more, you know. I was, I was, my one of my fondest memories of Daily Man Park isn't actually anything to do with football, but I was the DJ in Compare for Sunstroke '94 up there when um, Red Hot Chili Peppers played. So I, I introduced people like uh, Black Francis on stage and Ice T, Terravision, uh, Therapy, and the Chili Peppers themselves. So, you know. Great memories of Dalyman Park, and they should be using places like that as well for more. It was like the biggest yeah. football pitch I ever played. I mean, they used to play a lot of the junior finals up there. Yeah, I played in a few of them, but it was and two goals like running uphill. And it was, mm. um, you know, if you're coming off a pitch in Ringsend Park down, down, and then all of a sudden you're playing the final in Daly Mount. I mean, I used to take the kickouts and things like that, and you'd easily reach the halfway line in Ringsend Park. Mm. You weren't reaching the halfway no, line weren't. with the kickouts. No, no. You know, and it was, it was massive pitch, corner to corner, it was huge, and. When you played in the finals, come the summer, you know, the, the, the League of Ireland football would be over and you'd be playing in the final. It was like playing on a car park. Rock hard. Yeah. No water. Mm. Pitch, unless it lashed. And if you played the following week, it was at the lashing. It was a mud bath. It was a mud bath, yeah. Total opposite, you know? yeah. yeah. That pitch wasn't, hasn't been great over the years. In yeah. fairness, the local council has done a great job now to bring it up to some kind of spec. Yeah. But for years, that pitch was terrible. And it used to fall into every corner. There was, there was yeah, a fall there's a fall. It's, a, corner, it's like climbing up hill yeah. into the goals. Yeah. But uh, jumping on to something else, something national, the Irish national team, what's your opinion of where we're at, what's the solution, 
Are we happy? I don't have sad? a solution. I don't have a solution for it, but it's been years of neglect from uh, the top down. Um, when you call your league a problem child, then you've got a problem. Mm. And uh, it's been it's been coming this in years of neglect, in years of mismanagement, uh, bringing in managers paying them way over the odds to play bad football just to just to let everyone know everybody's head is nodding here yeah. <laughs> yeah just to fill the coffers uh by qualifying for major tournaments was some of the worst football you've ever seen uh and i think it got hijacked a little bit as well you know france you know clean up sit down for the nuns all that kind of stuff i just thought it was awful stuff uh i appreciate the fact that you should go away and support your team and everything but i just mm. think from pure football supporters i think it just got a little bit of hijacked and people were more interested in quote unquote the crack, the crack yeah. than going to the football matches whatever mm. um listen you can you're perfectly entitled you pay your money you take your chances and that's entirely up to you um but I just think it got a bit hijacked over the last couple of years. So now we're in a situation where he's trying to rebuild the team, uh, trying to build the proper way of uh, playing football, and he's just not getting the results. You mean um, well, Slovakia, you know, so near so far and, and played really well in that day. And things could have complete, uh, completely different if that had gone And he's not getting the luck way. with the squad. He's just either. not getting no. luck with the squad, and especially during COVID as well. So he's been very unlucky. But he's kind of have to be given time. These things don't happen overnight. Um, I can't see anybody else out there no, Sam Allardyce, something but, ridiculous but again, like that. To again, come in. But, I, I, I but what totally are you looking for here? Are you looking for longevity? Totally agree now. But, you know, from our mm. end of it, Tom mm. myself were involved in Tom was involved in the schoolboy football for years. He was chairman of Cambridge, I'm chairman of St. Pat's at the moment, see why. But yeah, you, you have to look at you have to go back to the grassroots. That has to be done and, and it's nothing to do with Stephen Kenny now at the moment. Mm. You know, what 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 the, I suppose the question was about the national team, but the bigger picture is how do we get the players to come through? From the League of Ireland. Handing it to the League of Ireland, I think, is madness. The skill by it's not. It's, I agree with you. Handing it all, all lock, stock and barrel to uh, a league that's struggling, um, especially now with no fans in, is, is madness. It's, yeah. you know, and, because the clubs, and I've seen that, and I go to a lot of League of Ireland matches, they, a lot of the clubs are just interested in one thing, and that's themselves. That's themselves, yeah, yeah 100%. Mm. And then you, you look at it. You see, I, I, I get annoyed, I suppose, when I see... I was very impressed with Stephen Kenny coming through um, with Dundalk. And when he got to Europe and he'd done a good job, and, OK, didn't go where they, they, they hoped he'd go to, but he's done a good job and he played good football. Yeah. Um, in Lansdowne Road, watching them, tactically, they were very aware and very good. And I'm saying... You know, if he gets it wrong, they're going to go out and they're going to get another manager they're going to spend a fortune on him. And it's a backward it, step. It's... it's but he can't, they can't solve the problem because yeah. the problem is bigger than the, yeah. in, exactly. in the background. So it's not, it's not, it's it just might, the tip of the iceberg. No. It might mean 10 years, and I don't know whether the FAI will give anybody 10 years, it might mean 10 years to stick to our principles and try do it the right way. But again, but, that's only going to solve the problem at the top. Yeah, well... It it's it's got to be root and branch. You know? So it's, it, it, to me, it's, yeah. it's first of all, go and get... Um, the facilities right yeah. give the people in the areas the, the, you know the, the communities the proper facilities to keep the kids involved whether it's outdoor or indoor take a little point on Iceland Iceland went in and built a load of Astros 20-30 uh, years yeah. ago because they couldn't play in the with the weather they had yep. and all of a sudden they seen the benefits Improved, because they were yeah. playing all year long so if we have our weather's not that bad more I'm not saying Astros but more indoor, indoor stuff to keep the kids Child is running down. He's going down at eight years of age. Snowing out of heavens, slashing out of heavens. After two weeks, he's going to say, "Here, that." 
and there's too many games called off Absolutely. as well uh, you know mm. in public parks there's too many games called off and uh, guys 10 12 year olds sitting on sidelines for months uh, and not getting a game and that gives them that means they're disillusioned and, and they drift off and then you look else. at it then you look at the coaching side of things you know we, we yeah, you can look at different countries in holland and germany and all of us i again it's one of me pets i can't understand why an irish lad can't be as good as any other coach mm. tactically aware of it's investment yeah it's and investment. it has to be put in at yeah, the start it has start. to be invested it has to have money invested in coaches to teach mm. the irish coaches how to do it uh, properly in a European system. Coaching the coaches. Coaching the coaches, mm, yeah. exactly. And I mean, if you get that into the area, so look, I'm saying this to the FEI and I'm saying this to the, the government, basically. Each area should have an, a, a, a top coach, a, tr- a coach fully qualified who's training the managers, the dads who are coming down. Mm. The, you know, the fellas that you have to depend on to get the kids through. But at the end of the day, and I'm not talking about junior football, I'm talking about schoolboy football. This is where it starts, yeah. Right across every area, every community had one coach, or every second community had a coach that he looked after about. It would give the kids something, they're mm. getting properly trained. You know, I mean, you There's a lot of players out there now, ex players yeah. who've got uh, the coaching badges. Let's see where they're going to go. Um, well, John, just just uh, that'll be interesting because there's a, there's a nearly every ex player I've come across is doing coaching badges yeah, at the moment. Yeah, so yeah. let's see where that goes. Hopefully, that might yeah. manifest itself. But in, just going back, Charlie was saying there about the uh, League of Ireland. It's probably not the League of Ireland because they're obviously interested in themselves, and if you can sell players, move them on and all that. But well, you can understand why. I mean, oh yeah, it's a business, a business yeah, and yeah. they're going concerned and they want to win the league. Well, you know, I, so. I'm on looking the comparison with rugby and League of Ireland. League of Ireland. 30, 40 years ago, it was huge, huge, massive crowds. Rovers got great crowds. Warfords, the Corks, the Bows, maybe 50, maybe in the Yeah, I think you're about 50 years ago, yeah. 30 but, years ago, no. But what happens? Like, um, you've suddenly, Leinster, every second person around this area, Leinster games, Leinster games. Yeah, but they, they've got a different way of doing it because they weren't, they weren't there before. They relied on the clubs. Now, the clubs are tiny, uh, yeah. and they would pick players from that and maybe some players from abroad. But theirs is a kind of American-based franchise yeah. where you're placed in your different club. Now, Leinster is obviously very, one of the strongest things. But the other thing as well is that Leinster give spectators a day out, yeah. right? So you can get a beard there. Uh, you bring your kids yeah. without any hassles or any problems. And uh, I'm not a rugby fan by any stretch, but the day out there is excellent. Yeah. But uh, and the whole atmosphere is good. But League of Ireland clubs need to learn that well, as well. I was going to say, should they be going down that road? Absolutely. You know, I, I could not agree you know, more. They need to find a way of having a day out for the family, right? Where, uh, you okay, you have your, your ultras, you know, people who are entitled to follow their football team, uh, but you should not feel scared going to a ground. Yeah. You should be able to bring your kids to the ground without yeah. any hassles whatsoever. And you can shout and roar and scream mm. at the players and things like that. You pay your money, you take yeah. your chances as if already. But the, rugby is based on a franchise thing. The cricketers are doing the same thing yeah. as well. They've got a, a first-class uh, structure here. They've now brought Munster in and they're spreading their players mm. around to make things equitable. It's not going to happen with the League of Ireland because it just doesn't follow that kind of criteria. Yeah. But I'm, uh, I'm amazed that big business doesn't get a bit more involved in League of Ireland because if it's worked right... There is, uh, and uh, like you've financially. But well, the thing is, you've got a residue of what happened in the last couple of years. And again, that problem child, as soon as that came out, uh, corporate Ireland ran. Mm. So and, and and it's it's now scarred. Yeah. 
you know, I'm scared for 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 years to come now. Whether whether they can get well, it Joe, back. Joe Fan, who who <clears> goes to Liverpool and United every week when we did pre-COVID, uh, wouldn't set foot inside uh, a League of Ireland ground. Yeah, but even even looking at the international now, they, I mean, they can't sell the tickets. They can't, you know, mm. the, the half the ground is half empty no matter who we're playing at the moment. Uh, as you that's, said, that's the saying when you're winning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it's it has to be managed, and it hasn't been managed properly. Yeah. Mm. But don't forget though, when when Jack Charlton took over. It was 16, 17,000. I was at the Ireland against Russia. Mm-hmm. Third, it was Wales. Ireland against Wales, Wales. first match. In fact, the Ireland Brazil game when Liam Brady 26,000 on a cold, drab Saturday you know, lunchtime. Havelock Square. Yeah. So, um, yeah, th- look, when Charlton took over Ireland against Wales, Ian Rush, I think, scored a goal. And yeah, we South lost Hill. Somebody broke but there was, leg. But there was no South, leg. Neville Seldo broke his but, leg. But the, big, right, yeah. but the big thing then, is, I mean, rugby was it was an amateur sport. Yeah. Cricket was an amateur sport. They're all moved on now. They're, they're pro- They've as gone you ahead. Say, providing but even hockey, you look at hockey. Yeah. I know it's not a big, big game, but when when the big games are on, they're getting big crowds on as well. Fun. If you look at some of the sponsors and the advertisers, Compared to the League of well, Ireland, we've got to say we've got a problem with with the League of Ireland in terms of audiences as well. And League of Ireland fans are notoriously fickle, hmm. uh, and I don't want to be having a go with League of Ireland fans. I'm one myself. But when uh, when that you so you write about cricket and rugby, and they've yeah. moved on and they've become more professional, whatever, and they're getting audiences, especially when they're on RTE. Yeah. League of Ireland matches don't get that. Yeah. You know, they've now got watch LOI. People are still complaining. Well, I don't get enough replays and everything. The cost of that is enormous. Yeah. And Archie had put this up in the last couple of se- or season and a half to make sure yeah. that the League of Ireland fan at least got access when there's no spectators there as well. I think they only sold 18,000. Was it 18,000 in total? Something like that. Yeah. I don't know what the what total figure was. Yeah. But the product is there now. Yeah. Um, but Friday night games... Uh, on RTE does not pull in the crowds well, yeah. right Soccer Republic was there for 13 years yeah. audience was tiny 25,000 yeah. now they may say the product we gave may not have been the highest standard but yeah. I think it was an honest effort by those of us who have been involved in it for 13 years well, and it was, it was it's difficult to keep League of Ireland fans happy um, yeah. uh, in terms of what we're putting out on air yeah. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier on about the League of Ireland's supporters being fickle because Jody won the Shamrock Rovers keeper that the, I think they won four leagues in a row. Yeah, yeah. He was telling me each year, and if that was four years, the crowds went down. It was like fans were saying, are they going to beat Waterford? Are we wait for the Derry match? Are they yeah. going to beat Derry? Are they going to beat Pats? And he said the, they were all conquering in those days. They were yeah. winning doubles as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what happens. This is, you know, success breeds... Apathy. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to move on. We're going to move on because I don't think we're going to solve them all tonight. But yeah. you know, it's great to have you know different opinions and people say. And the time and the timekeepers uh, checking in, lads, where people will be switching off. So we keep going for John. It. Just oh well, yeah, come on, Dylan. Yeah. I was just saying, just we, we we're up to we're up to about 34 minutes, lads. So the pubs are open, are they? That's <laughs> it. Covid's, <laughs> over. Covid's, over. Covid's over. Yeah. If you had your chance, and I gave you the. The, the, here's the Crystal Hartley and go and do whatever you wanted and commentate what would it be? Uh, what would it be? Uh, well, uh, Republic of Ireland in a World Cup final oh. right? Uh, After listening to them problems yeah, Exactly <laughs> Republic of Ireland in a World Cup final uh, the Irish cricket team in a World Cup final yeah, as well and I, I, I'm, lo- I'm lucky enough to have commentated on six Olympic Games 
um, and swimming. And Michael Phelps in particular did all of his gold medals uh, down the years amazing, live, yeah, which yeah. was amazing. And I've travelled the world with it. So, yeah, they're the kind of three. Mm. Brilliant. Uh, musically, you've told us your team shows. Who's your favourite band? The Clash favorite, was, was my yeah, favourite band. Well, fair uh, play, yeah, The Clash okay. was the favourite band. Joe was my yeah. idol, as I say. Uh, but there's some great bands around at the moment. Um, some really good Irish bands. Fontaine's, I think, are fabulous. The Murder Capital, great. And Fontaine's going to be huge. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> In adversity, and we've seen this right throughout the decades as I've been growing up, 60s, 70s, mm. uh, 80s as well, um, music was really, it reflected the times. Yeah. And I think we're going to find there's going to be a lot more music now reflecting the times, times as well. Yeah. If times are too good, music's usually awful. Shit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. use that phrase, but yeah, yeah it's, it's... But it's look at the 80s, right. what you had, mod, rockabilly, yeah. you know, you had everything, reggae, yeah. new romance. Now you just... I'm not saying you just have music, but the Fontaines are the nearest well, to me the at the moment. I, that it, sound like the Clash. If you don't mind me saying so, it, um, guys of our age get older and they stop listening to music at a certain age. Yeah. Uh, and their memories are based on what they heard back in the 80s, 90s mm. or whatever. And they don't really generally move on with new stuff. Now, I'm lucky enough to have a, have a show on 2XM as well every Sunday as well at 2 o'clock, which uh, plays new stuff as well. So mm. I'm able to keep up to date with it. So it's yeah. part of my job. So mm. I'm lucky enough where that's concerned. But a lot of people just don't listen to new music as well and they kind of dismiss it as you get older. But that's only natural. Then mm. that's fine. So you're going, what are you listening to that for? Well, that's what I like now. Yeah. You know. Um, I think we're, we're nearly trying to wrap up and, and I just, you know, listening to both Tom, John, Dylan, there th th was a good mixture of um, football, music <laughs> and, and the relations, to, you know, between mm, both politics. because you had a bit of both, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's nice that we can, uh, sometimes we come in and we, we have people in and we're trying to pry them, you know, yeah. get words out of them and we didn't have to do that tonight, John. Yeah. It's a pleasure. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Thanks very Absolutely much. Absolutely no problem. Same here. Thanks Thanks thank you. Thank you. Excellent show. Thank you. On this day in 1936, Lewton Town defeated Bristol Rovers 12-0 in a Division 3 South match. In his first match as centre forward, Joe Payne scored 10 of the goals, which is still the most goals any player has scored in the league match. On this day in 1996, Fergie came out with some great excuses for poor Manchester United displays, with one of the most bizarre coming at half-time in the Premier League match against Southampton at the Dell. On April the 13th, 1996, he blamed a 3-0 deficit at the break on the grey kit United were wearing, saying that his players couldn't pick out each other against the background of the crowd. He ordered them into change into a blue strip for the second half, and to be fair, United scored the only goal in the second period. Mind you, United wore blue when they visited the Dell the following season and lost 6-3.